Friends, the Elegant Excellence Journal is coming back in 2023, and I am so excited about the changes we have made for you this year. Some you have asked for for quite a while, and some you didn't even know to ask for, but I know you are going to love. So get on the waitlist today at elegantexcellencejournal.com, and I will put that link in the description below. If you aren't already one of our thousands of users over the years, the Elegant Excellence Journal is a guided journal you can use daily or less, that supports you in vision casting your life, setting and achieving your goals, learning more about yourself, and most importantly, being in regular conversation with yourself to self-coach, adjust, celebrate, process, and become more peaceful in your life and more proud of who you are and what you're making happen. So be the first to know in the new year when you get on the VIP list at the link below or elegantexcellencejournal.com. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, beautiful. As we head into the holiday season, I thought it would be lovely to have a light, fun, yet meaningful conversation around the six types of travel that can support your rest and energy as you think ahead to 2023. And I think this is important for two reasons. If you are burned out, if you are tired, if you feel like you sometimes have brain fog and are struggling with your motivation, any of those classic hallmarks of burnout, this truly can help. We'll talk about this more, but there are different ways that travel can make us feel. And if we don't take that into account as we lay out our year, then we might be spending our precious time, money, and energy in ways that aren't as rejuvenating as we're really craving. And we can use travel to truly support us and make us feel better if it's something we are going to fold into our year anyways, or if it's something that we maybe aren't always the best at prioritizing because we are so full and busy and behind. And this might inspire us as to why it really is so important to nurture and give ourselves the rejuvenation in this way. And the other is that because we do often have limited time, money, and energy, it's important to think about how do I want to feel? What do I want to feel the most? What feeling am I trying to get out of this and why? And really seeing that our pleasure has a purpose. Pleasure with a purpose. It is so important to have leisure and play in our life, to have beauty and novelty and all of those wonderful things. They aren't just icing on the cake. They really do have a purpose to help heal us, restore us, give us more of that balance all throughout our lives. And when we don't acknowledge this and prepare for this and plan for it, it can sometimes be where we either spend more time and energy stressed at the last minute trying to figure it out or feel frustrated or disappointed in how we spent our time and energy because we didn't leave or come home or have the experience there feeling the way that we wanted to feel. And I thought, This is a timely conversation because with the new year, it tends to often be when we start to think about, okay, with 2023, where and when do we want to travel? Why will we choose this travel? So I want to share six different types of travel so you can start thinking about how you want to feel and why so you can experience less burnout, less regret, more peace, deciding this place over that. We just had our three-part series on making decisions. How can you feel more peace, less FOMO, choosing one or the other, more joy when you're present somewhere, and especially feel better when you return home. It often is the case that we don't want to leave a vacation and leave an experience, but ultimately the reason we have them is also so that we can return home feeling more rejuvenated and refreshed. So first off, Let's consider our year and sort of how travel gets or doesn't get onto our calendar. So sometimes we can see what happens or did happen or will happen seasonally. So maybe something recurs a lot throughout the year. Perhaps you get back from Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter. Are there certain big times in your family when maybe you feel like you need 
a vacation from your trip. <laughs> Perhaps you were traveling to see family, there was a lot of busyness happening, and it is fulfilling in one way, but also it's depleting, or also there's some drama, also there's some resentment. So that can definitely happen to me, and I've done something for years that helps me with that, which I'll share. Or maybe summer flew by and didn't really feel the way you wanted it to, or fall did. Do you realize that you have these visions of a certain time of year when you think you will do certain things, and ultimately you don't get around to planning it, it didn't really happen, or you're still craving the rest. You kind of did the vacation, but now that you're thinking about it, you still felt exhausted from your summer. So start to identify the times of year when travel either tires you or you run out of time to plan it or enjoy it. And circumstantially, we also can have scenarios maybe one-off or repeating. For example, a friend of mine, her travel this last year, we were talking about where we were traveling to, and she said, honestly, everything I'm doing this year is going to a wedding. There was all of these post-pandemic weddings, and she's like, that's all of my days off, that's all of my travel budget, so I actually haven't gotten to pick any of the places that I want to go, which... Maybe that was a one-off year thing, but it's worth noting. I'm not sure she'd really reflected on it until it was coming out of her mouth when she's hearing the rest of us talk about where we've chosen to go. And also, as we get into our six travel types, that all of her trips may have actually been quite similar. They may have all been giving her a similar energy that wasn't ultimately creating that balance throughout her year. And for myself, for over a year, I was writing my first book, and one of the reasons that it was hard is in a hard season is because it really stole Jeremy and I's ability and freedom to plan, which is a longer story as to why. But in short, I was very much at the mercy of other people who might be disorganized or demanding or change things. So for example, in July, we had planned for quite some time to have this really special, unique month with my family. I had never done anything like that. And until two weeks before, I was terrified that it was going to get canceled, that there was a deadline that was going to have shifted, there was a demand that was going to have shifted. And because of that, I didn't want to make the plans and get myself excited, my family excited, and then be even more disappointed. But what it meant is I really ran out of the time to plan. And so then while I was there, I had to mourn. I had a lot of dreams and visions and expectations of what this was going to look like. And there wasn't the runway to make that happen. It just was too late. Then we had another trip upcoming in September. And I thought, well, I don't want to spend July while I'm on this trip planning the next trip. But that meant by the time we got home, because again, we hadn't had time to plan before we went, that then there was stress about the next trip. When again, the plan there was Italy. And I had all of these well laid out travel dreams that honestly, I had spent a ton of time as sort of one of my COVID coping mechanisms, I think, was like researching and planning this trip to Italy. It wasn't specific because I never exactly knew the dates, um, but I had all these ideas in my head. And when I actually went to plan it in August to leave three weeks later, nothing was available. I mean, absolutely nothing. I think this was just the time when suddenly Europe was open again. Everybody was going in August. And it just, I realized I don't have the time and energy with the days we have left to do the heavy lifting that it's going to take to really make me feel good about the money that we're spending there and also feel like I didn't just exhaust myself for three weeks to then go have a week of rest. And when you get back, ultimately you haven't gotten anywhere. And I want to just note for a second that we can be tempted to say, gosh, these feel like first world problems that we're struggling to plan our travel. But my perspective is always, if you are desiring something in your life that you believe everyone should have and be entitled to enjoy, then it's not a superfluous thing and you shouldn't dismiss it. So to be empowered, for example, over your planning, to be treated by with respect by your family members or your, your uh, place of work, if that's what's getting in the way of things, that allows you to be wise, allows you to really think about what's going to best support you, et cetera. We want that for everyone, right? So if we want that for everyone, then we don't have to feel badly. We want that for ourselves. Rest and leisure and play, that should be for everyone. This shouldn't be an icing on the cake. This shouldn't be a nice to have. There are needs to survive, 
food, clothing, water, shelter, and their needs to thrive. And every human deserves to thrive. So the next time that you want to preemptively be dismissive of yourself, ask, do I want this for everyone? And if I do, then I don't have to apologize for wanting it for myself because it's what I feel is part of a full and beautiful life. And I am championing that everyone should have that. So this issue that we had in July and in August that we're not having enough time to plan, we had a similar issue in April. And we had a trip approaching. And I wonder if you can relate. I felt like I didn't have the time to take it. I felt like I couldn't afford to take that time off of work with the deadlines that I had. But I also knew that I would lose more productivity if I didn't rest. I want to repeat that again. I knew because I've paid attention to burnout and how my body responds and the fact that we need rest. And if you push yourself too hard for a season, you're just going to crash in the next season. So I had to make the very difficult mental gymnastics decision to say, Hillary, I know it feels like you don't have this time to take off for a week, but actually you can't afford not to take this time off because three weeks later or five weeks later, you're going to feel more exhausted, more burned out. Your productivity is going to start going down and down. You're actually not going to be further ahead two months from now if you stay. You're actually going to be further ahead or in the same place, but less miserable all along the way if you take this trip and rest. So I said to Jeremy at the time, here is my clear vision. I know what I want. I want to go to a new city we haven't been to because it's going to be creatively inspiring. There's going to be new visuals and new beauty. And I couldn't put my finger on it, but I just knew there was something about that that was nourishing and replenishing. And I said, then I want to go someplace zen that just feels restorative and healing. So Lisbon had been a city that was on our list, brand new city, colorful, et cetera, that we'd never been to. And there's a website that I love to use for travel called Mr. and Mrs. Smith, not sponsored. I just like this website as a place to find more boutique-y, cool hotels. We stayed at one in Majorca years ago that was one of our favorite places we'd ever stayed. And that kind of got in our head like, ooh, there is something to this kind of bougie boutique hotel, but they aren't necessarily expensive based on where they are in the world. I wouldn't say they are inexpensive, but they're not like, you know, staying at the Four Seasons or something. And so I looked up on Mr. and Mrs. Smith, found a Zen place 90 minutes from Lisbon, and that vision totally worked for helping to heal my burnout. Four days in of walking around Lisbon, I said to Jeremy all of a sudden, I, I something came out of my mouth. I was about to say like, after the book, and I went, oh, honey, I have not thought about the book since we left for the airport. And I had not not thought about the book for like 18 every day for 18 months at that point, like waking up in the middle of the night thinking about the book. That was so huge for me to go, my brain just got a deeper rest from percolating and problem solving than it has in 18 months. My brain needed this. And soon afterwards, I heard a teaching from a doctor who speaks on different types of rest, specifically about creative rest, which is not to necessarily go and do something creative or to stop being creative, but the idea that we are not outputting, we're inputting. Instead of that percolating and problem solving and producing, we're getting input in. We are taking in a beautiful city, uh, you know, it, it could be something technically creative like a museum, but it also could be just going to a new city where you're just taking in new beautiful things to look at. And so after I heard that teaching, I realized, you know what? This was instinctive within me. Because I am at a place now with how healed I've gotten in in healing my burnout, which as I always say, doesn't mean that I don't get burnt out. It means I get less burnt out and I can see the warning signs earlier and I can get out of it easier and I am less of a crazy person when it happens. It has less of a harsh impact on my life. So as I've been healing my burnout, I've been more aware. I'm I'm able to listen to my body more, better understand and identify what she's craving because I'm not so busy. I'm not so anxious. It's like I've just turned the volume down a little bit on the inside. And therefore, when I heard this teaching from the doctor, I went, oh, my body instinctively knew to do that. 
It instinctively knew that I needed this healing before anyone had even shared this kind of a teaching with me. And I think that's so inspiring for us to realize there is more innate wisdom that your body has if you can turn the dial down on your burnout. That is one of the many gifts that springs forth. So we were away for one week. I came home feeling great because I had really listened to and prioritized and created what I needed, and I want to help you do the same. So let's consider these six types and their value to us, what we're drawn to and why, and how they make us feel. So the first one is the beach. This also could be a lake or a mountain or a cabin. It's the idea that it is remote. It is totally chill. It's all about resting. Maybe you're journaling. Maybe you're just laying there listening to music. You're watching the ocean or you're watching the fire. It, you're, you're binging a bunch of TV shows or movies or something. And you might crave this when you are especially exhausted. You're like, all I want to do is just go lay on a beach. I just want to lay on a beach chair and drink a margarita for like five days in a row. I'm just so tired. That is all I want to do. And that could be really rejuvenating because it takes the least energy of all of the options. When you do not have any energy to give, you're like, I'm just going to lay here and let the sun or the cozy blanket, you know, soak into me. But it also can be a lot of time with your thoughts. So for me, when September in Italy wasn't happening, I went on to Mr. and Mrs. Smith and I was like, okay, what's just the fastest way that I can make this trip happen in, with as little time and energy as possible? So I went on to Mr. and Mrs. Smith, looked up the week we were looking to go, what were the, ch- I ranked it from lowest, like cheapest to most expensive. I was like, what are the cheapest places we could go to? They were all in the Caribbean. I found a place there. I booked it and it was, it was refundable. So I was able to book it, but then sort of sleep on it that night. And I realized the next day, I was feeling unsettled about it. And I said to Jeremy, I think it's that like a whole week of thinking feels actually really exhausting because I was grieving from something that had happened over the summer and I didn't need more time to process it or plan it. This was not the time to take my Elegant Excellence journal and go over my vision casting. This was not a like, I really need to sit here and just pour out my thoughts and have this emotionally healing week. I needed the opposite. I needed joy and distraction. Usually, that type of trip can feel incredibly life-giving to me to slow down more for my daily life. But at that time, it wasn't the life-giving that I needed. And I was so grateful again that I had the healing capacity to pause and notice, you're not feeling as excited as you should feel about a week at a resort in the Caribbean. Again, we'll go back to first world problems, but... Yeah, if I'm going to spend the time, money, and energy to get there, then I want to know that it's going to be the one of the better things, if not perhaps the best, because we can have lots of good options, but one of the better things, and this wasn't feeling right. So for you, when is doing nothing but chilling what you crave and super life-giving, and when is it actually not what you need? The second category is a familiar city. So there are activities that you're going to do there, but you know what to expect. You know your way around. So it's more energy output if you're wandering around a city as opposed to laying on a beach chair or snuggled up in front of the fire, but it's the least of the energy you could output because you already know it. So for me, this is Paris, London, the south of France, places that I've traveled to really often. I already know which neighborhoods I want to stay in for an Airbnb. It's so much faster to get one. I already understand the transportation. I already know my favorite spots. So it just takes less brain power for me when I'm there. And so when I realized I'm not feeling jazzed about the Caribbean, I I pivoted to option C. And I thought, you know what? What if we go to a familiar city? I don't want to just lay on a beach. I want to go do something. But my brain is also really tired right now. And the complexity of trying to figure out Italy was just too much. So we toggled. It was like, Complexity of Italy was was on one side, laying on the beach with your thoughts was on the other, and I needed something that was in the middle. 
I wanted rest, but I didn't want all of the open space for introspection. I more so wanted the distraction and inspiration that's easy of walking around a city that I love, driving through beautiful places, etc. So for me, those are foreign cities, but for you, it might be Lake Michigan or Miami or Palm Springs or Austin. It's just your favorite spot that it can feel really great to go back to. So can you articulate why that familiarity is restful sometimes? What are the ways that it's easier for you when you compare a trip you've taken there to a, a place for a new city? Can you think about the time that it took you to plan it, the energy that you expended while you were there? And are there other times that it feels boring? You're like, I've already been there. Like, why is it that we don't necessarily want to return to some place? Or maybe, okay, that was feeling good for a while, but now it's the only place we go. And when are you seeking which? Can you identify, you know what, it's that it's if it's a quick weekend trip, I love going someplace I already know because it's going to be so short. But if I've got a whole week, that's when I want to go someplace new, whatever it is for you. The third type is a new city. So this is going to have lots of novelty. You're going to be more present and in your thoughts even less because you are really paying attention to your surroundings. Your brain's attention is more captured. There's new inputs everywhere. You need to watch the map as you're walking around and look at the road signs. Nothing is muscle memory in your body. You need to stay alert, not for danger, but more so for novelty. You're like, oh, look at that thing over there. Oh my gosh, that's so pretty. Is that a park over there? Like you need to pay more attention to directions. I don't quite have my bearings. So I really have to stay more alert. So I'm not like, I do not know how to get back to the hotel. So in April, when we went to Lisbon, this felt like a faster way to rest my brain because it would be so focused on the input of a new city that I wasn't going to have any more brain space left for overthinking and ruminating and percolating on the book, and it absolutely worked. I needed a big, compelling distraction for my brain to rest. It wasn't so much that my body needed to rest and lay on a beach towel. It's that my brain needed to rest from the things it was thinking about, which means it actually needed distraction, not the absence of a to-do list. However, I was also exhausted overall, so I didn't want something that was super taxing. Lisbon is not a huge city. It's not totally overwhelming. It's similar to other places that we've been, so it was a new city, but it had a familiar culture to Cartagena or Italy, for example. So there wasn't that culture shock with the newness. So what we're noticing here is how all three of these first three, and also the next three, can help heal our burnout, that we're just needing different types of healing in different seasons. So they can all bless us. It's just, are we utilizing them at the right time? So if you keep going to the beach and when you get there, you realize you struggle to sit with your thoughts, maybe it's not actually as relaxing as you thought it was going to be when you looked at everyone's photos of the beach on Instagram, thought that seemed like a great idea, but are going and aren't really tracking on I don't know that that actually makes me feel as relaxed as I think it's going to when I'm just looking at the images. Or if you're going to Lisbon for the bucket list, but you are so exhausted that all you want to do is lay by the hotel pool, that was Jeremy and I in Greece. Um, worst travel idea I've ever had was going to Greece for our honeymoon after our elopement to the south of France. And this is just such a classic example of what happens. I had this sexy, chic image of Greece in my head. I had been there years ago with my sister, but I felt like there was these images I saw on Instagram of the hotels with the little private pool that overlook, and it just seemed like a very specific, like, sexy honeymoon vibe. So I got that in my head. While, to be totally fair, I'm in the midst of, like a crazy person, planning two weddings, both destination, one of which is secret, and so I'm really short on bandwidth. And even if you are not as insane as me and trying to plan two weddings, I know there's times when you too are really short on bandwidth, and that's when we don't always make the wisest choices to think everything through. So I just didn't really say... How long is this flight to Greece and back from Greece? How exhausted are we going to be at the end of this wedding? Do we really need to be flying to Greece? Y'all, we flew to Greece and we did nothing. And I'm not exaggerating except for a 
two half days. For one half day, we walked around the city, and one other time we went to dinner. The rest of the time, we laid by the hotel pool. We had that fancy little pool in our on our balcony, didn't use it once. <laughs> Such an example of like Instagram versus reality. And yes, the hotel was nice, but it's my greatest travel regret because I'm like, why didn't we just stay someplace in the south of France? If all we were going to do was lay by the pool, we did not need a whole other travel day. And then the travel day back from Greece to New York City is a long travel day. It's like double the amount of time as if we had just stayed in France. So now I am so passionate for anyone who's getting married. One of my tips is like, by the way, for your honeymoon, just go to the closest place humanly possible to your wedding. Like you're just so tired. All you're going to want to do is chill. Do not make that the time when you were taking the epic trip. So this number three of going to a new city might not be the thing to do when you are feeling incredibly tired. Number four is a new culture. So Lisbon was a new city, but the culture was familiar. We've traveled a lot in Europe, and it felt like a similar vibe to Cartagena, so we weren't super out of our comfort zone. Everyone, there's a lot of English speaking in Lisbon as an English speaker is very easy to get around. But number four, in a new culture, you are extra present. So we were planning to go to Asia this Christmas. We were going to go to Tokyo for sure. We weren't sure where else. And I was really envisioning this was going to take so much focus because you can't read a single word. I don't know any uh, Asian languages. So anywhere that we go... I, I can't read a single word on anything, a direction, a sign, a menu. Um, I don't I don't know which restaurants can you go to that would have a menu that also is in English. Where would we we need to look for all of the things? Uh, wild time zone difference, major jet lag, totally different eating habits, like outside of the, you know, classic ways that we eat Asian cuisine over there. I'm sure there's just a lot more diversity. You're gonna think through a lot more. Am I okay? Am I going to like the way that tastes or whatever versus the ease of just being like, yes, I know what this food is. So you're going to be so out of your comfort zone. And I love that. I was I liked that idea because I acknowledged now that I've been to Europe throughout my life, I was blessed to get to live there as a child. We've been to South America a little bit. Everything has a similar culture when it comes to the level that you need to be present. Every culture is beautifully unique, but it doesn't feel so shockingly or scary, scarily sometimes outside of your comfort zone as someplace else similar to you've been. So then we started regrouping on our plans. And it's really interesting, as I lay out this episode, the number of times this year that we had a travel plan and it has been okay, let's totally regroup on that. We've had this for a long time. And in our case, I think part of the reason it's been exacerbated, and I would imagine we're not the only ones, is that in, well, it's a little bit unique for us. I was going to say in 2019, we made a list of couple goals that we said, if we do decide to have a child in a few years, what what are things that we would have wanted to do before? What were things we'd be really grateful that we did and we prioritized? Like, we're not sure if we want to have kids or not, but if we do, this would be our season to be child-free and married. And so what do we want to do? Um, well, that was 2019. Uh, and then the pandemic happened in 2020. So ours may have been a little more unique because we got married at the beginning of 2019. So we were sort of embarking into, okay, wedding planning is done. What is the season of our life, you know, going to look like? for the next five, whatever years. And so we had laid that out in 2019. It was pretty much all travel. Asia was at the top of the list. Obviously, then 2020 happens and everything gets taken off the table. But under Asia was Italy. And a lot of the things that are that were on, that are coming up in today's conversation were on that list. And I wonder for you as well, if there's a buildup of things because we all did lose or may have lost a couple of years based on not feeling safe traveling or the places we want to go not being open or things being more expensive and crowded all of a sudden when they were open. So I really was still focused on like, okay, that was number one on our list, Asia, let's let's make that happen. And so for like a year, it's been on our calendar, year and a half. This is what we're going to do this Christmas. We alternate Christmas with my brother-in-law's family when we have the kids. We didn't have them this Christmas. We're like, that's the perfect time to go. Let's do it. And as we got closer to the end of the year, I was like, let's regroup on this. Let's really think, 
this year did not go as we were expecting. There was so much grief and loss and trauma. And when we made this plan, we didn't see all of that coming. And we didn't see that burnout was going to be here. And all of these things throughout the year were going to be pushed back. And the end of the year was going to feel gunkier and heavier because of everything that had happened. So I really had to ask myself, why is this a meaningful goal? Why do I care about going to Asia? Sure, I would love to see as much of the world. And it's really just that. There's so much of the world I'd love to see, so many new experiences. Amazing, wonderful. Yes, let's do that in life. But I had to say, I'm I'm prioritizing it right now, this season, because it's like, well, we can't go next year at Christmas because we have the kids. And like, I don't know, we don't want to keep putting things off for forever. But I had to just say, the initial impetus for this conversation was for the kind of, quote, urgency of let's go in the next five, six years or so, was if we had a baby, will I really say, you know, I am just so glad. The one thing, friends, can I tell you if I can give you, the one thing I am so glad I made happen first is I went to Asia. I was like, I'm just never going to say that. Or am I going to be like holding this baby be like, I just can't believe I haven't been to Asia yet. I was like, no, that is definitely not going to happen. So what actually am I going to regret? Like being more burnt out, not being as, as rested, like a lot of other actually smaller things that add up to the quality of life, the health of my business, all those things that actually felt like they would make more of an impact. So it's a great idea that I originally had. Make a a bucket list, make a things we want to do in the next, you know, three, five, 10 years list with your family, with your best friends, with your partner. Like that was great. But then it also has to do with readjusting. Okay, that was a great idea 18 months ago or sometimes even eight weeks ago, but has anything shifted since then? And we're all going to have lots of ideas of places that we would love to go. And we are more exposed to those ideas than ever before with Instagram and Pinterest and you know so much media where we get to see all of these places in the world compared to what was even on our grandmother's radars or the fact that plane flights are, you know, they're not inexpensive, but they are more affordable than they were in our grandmother's generation. So we can tell ourselves, I, I should and could be able to travel everywhere. And the truth is, unless that is your number one goal in life is to travel to all the places, none of us are ever going to get everywhere. So I think it's important that we're really thinking about the value of what we need right now in our life, not the bucket list moment, unless that really is your value. If you're like, honestly, it's one of my top life goals. Like, I want to go to Egypt. I want to see the pyramids. Like, that is my number one thing. Okay, great. But often I think it can be, oh, I got this idea of Greece in my head for the honeymoon and actually like n- never would I have have been like I just can't believe we didn't go to Greece for our honeymoon like that just wouldn't have been the thing so it's kind of playing out are you really going to say in this upcoming season I can't believe that didn't happen or might it be I still believe we'll go to Asia I just don't think it needs to happen this year so ultimately we realized as the year got closer I just like raised my hand to Jeremy one day it was like um p- permission to speak and like throw a wrench in the calendar I think that this Asia trip is going to take more time and energy to plan and to plan well where we feel really good about it and we're really excited about it than I have in me to invest by the end of the year with how hard this year has been. I think this was in like October. And I was like, I just don't think I have it in me. I can't even see where on the calendar I would have this amount of time to plan. So I think we need something simpler. So as of this recording, We're still kind of TBD as to what we are doing for the holidays. We are going to London to meet my parents for a big birthday for my dad that was one of his bucket list goals, was to like spend this birthday in London. And I am so excited because if we weren't going, I do not think my parents would be going. Um, And so I'm so excited to make that happen for my dad. And then we're taking the train across to Paris and we'll be there for my birthday. And then all we know is we want to go someplace warm. Since London and Paris will be cold, as will New York City, we just want to go someplace warm, and then we're going to come home and take uh, the last part of our vacation to just rest and just be cozy and like organize the closets and things like that and just feel like we're starting the year ahead as opposed to coming back a little into January, a little bit exhausted, jet lagged, like big trip, you know, et cetera. So number five, got two more left. Number five is activities. 
a trip where you're doing activities that challenge your body or your brain. You're getting your energy out. You're accomplishing something. This is the one, one of the six that I don't do. Well, I guess I should say the new culture, again, is a little bit rare for me. I would love to get there, though. There's a lot of places on my list I would love. But the activities, um, I don't really do. <laughs> so Jeremy loves to snowboard, loves to go on snowboard trips. I fractured my back skiing in high school, and then for the next two decades after that, I was always about to do a show, audition for a show, or didn't have health insurance. And so I was like, this just doesn't really feel worth it if I know that I could get severely injured again. And then I just reached a point where I was like, I just don't know if I really wanna you know, invest the time, money, and energy in doing this. Uh, we have friends that did the Camino. They've done that a couple times in their life, which is a spiritual walking path in Spain, I believe. I might be incorrect, but like they walked every day for like two months. And it's this time of year when people do this pilgrimage. It might be a yoga or a meditation retreat. And that kind of thing I might be into, but again, I still kind of want it to be more like a nice wellness hotel, like with a yoga option, not yoga all day. I think I still want some more like rest and play in there. So be curious if you're not drawn to some of these and ask why, but also be okay if you can't answer. Like you're knowing, yeah, I don't think that's right for me. That is enough and explaining it might be helpful, but also isn't necessary. Maybe you don't really have a desire to do those big new culture things. And maybe it's even a subconscious like, I just don't really think financially I'm going to be able to afford that. So I think that's why I just don't focus on them. That could actually be a really beautiful, like positive, self-protective thing that you do to be like, I don't want to constantly be idealizing, you know, this like African safari that I just, I know is really expensive. I just, I've got eight kids. I don't think we're realistically ever doing that. So I just focus on the things that are going to bring me joy instead. The only caveat is if your family or partner wants to do something that you don't want to do, then I would say look within that type of travel for what would be valuable to me. So for example, I definitely say to Jeremy, we will do the ski vacations one day. We just need to find some place that's a nice hotel because I'm into like good aesthetics where there's a cozy fireplace and I can just kind of make it a think week for myself. I'm just going to bring a lot of books. I'm going to do journaling. I'm going to like do meditation every morning. Ideally, there'd be a spa there. I can go get a massage. I can do the things that light me up while he goes out onto the slopes every day. We just haven't really found a great one on the East Coast that feels worth the money. So that's a little bit more of a future goal. Like, I'm not quite sure when we will get there. It also is hard, to be honest. We talk about this a lot because we live in a cold climate and this cold winter is the time to go. It's really hard for me to want to spend the money to go someplace else cold. <laughs> I'm like, I want to go someplace warm. So I think if in the future we are living someplace else that's warm, if we're living in Mexico, if we're living in France, I think that then I would be much more like, great, let's find a resort that I'm excited about and you can go ski all day. Listen to my three types of travel personalities episode. I will link that below. That's going to give you more on this, and that's been helpful to so many of you that you've reported back that you listened with your partner. It helped you talk with your friend before planning a trip and helped you identify for your family, broader family vacations with parents and siblings that like you wanted some time to go off and do your own thing so that everybody was happy. So take a listen to that as well. And then finally, number six are the trips that are all about people. So Christmas, Thanksgiving, weddings, graduations. This is probably the most common category for most people. And within those things that you feel like, well, this got put on my calendar. It's just an expectation that Christmas is a thing culturally, and so I want to go be with certain people for it, so I'm trying to figure out the time of year. Or, well, I love that person, so I do want to go to their wedding. I feel like I should go to that person's graduation. But within this, how can we either pull in elements of the other types above so that it feels more fulfilling or plan the beginning or the end of the trip with some of that. So for example, for years when I was single and exhausted entrepreneur and heading home for Christmas with my family, I knew 
I'm already exhausted and I need some rejuvenation. And as much as it's cozy to be at my parents' house, the kids are also crazy. Like it's not, it's not restful. It's heartwarming, but it's not really restful in the same way. And so what I would do is either do a beach vacation beforehand. It's like if I was already flying to the West Coast for Southern California, I would head down to Cabo and stay someplace for a few nights on my own. That way I'm already headed that direction. I'm getting the beach vacation and I arrive to Christmas rested, or I would tack it onto the back end. Sometimes it was even just like two nights in a chic hotel, you know, by the airport where I could just like do my vision casting, lay by the pool, whatever, so that I returned home feeling more rested. And then it's also about parsing the different energies in these situations, what am I feeling in this setting versus this? Because I'm an extrovert, because I'm an introvert, because my family are planners and I'm not, because my family aren't planners and I am. What are those different factors? Which brings us into our final piece, which is not just when you are going and thinking through the time and energy that it takes to plan that and doing that in advance. In addition, where you are going, why, how you want to feel that you chose that type of trip at this time. But additionally, who you're going to go with. So if you are going someplace to the beach and you are going to chill totally alone, that's that's going to be a certain kind of rest, which maybe if you're an extrovert, isn't that restful? If you're an introvert, totally is. Uh, with your partner, who is maybe a very easy travel buddy or you know a friend who's a very easy travel buddy, you guys so click. Or actually, my partner and I are kind of different in that way. Like we sort of have to balance it out. Are you taking care of children while you're there? Is it not actually as restful as you're envisioning because you've got little kids? Is it loud? There's lots of noise because there are kids around or it's, you know, the music is pumping at the pool, whatever, and that wasn't what you had in mind. Taking into account those travel personalities from that other episode, but those little elements that really can help you define why was this trip a little frustrating, a little tiring, a little stressful, a little annoying, or this one really worked. So for example, In July, when we went out to California for that month, the first week we did a family vacation at an Airbnb uh, in wine country, and we had a pool with a slide and a big house. And it was the best week I have ever had with my family. And I identified to all of them. I said, I think the reason why this is so amazing is that everyone wants to do the same thing. Everybody wants to be in the pool which is where the kids want to be as well. So the same place you want to hang out is the same place that the kids are playing. We can have cocktails next to the pool. There was a bar area and it had a shade over it. So if you wanted to sit in the shade, you were right on the edge of the pool. You didn't have to go someplace else. We didn't have to have the shade people and the sun people, the drinking people and the playing people. Where I realize now that when we're at my parents' house, it's like, hey, will you come in the backyard and play with me? And you're like, I kind of just want to sit on the couch. Or the year before, we had tried to get a kiddie pool, like a really big kiddie pool, and a slip and slide. But the slip and slide was making the backyard so muddy, and then the kids were wanting to come get in the kiddie pool with all the adults, so then it was getting really gross. So now we're trying to say, kids aren't allowed in the kiddie pool until the adults have been in here for 90 minutes. Like we're doing cocktail hour first. But oh my gosh, then the whole time, the kids are like, can I come in now? Can I come in now? Like it was not ultimately relaxing. So you piece together these little things and realize, ooh, this is why we have the sweet spot. None of us have a pool at home. We're all excited for the pool. So there's an equal sense that that's what they want to do as well. Also, it was a large enough home with enough little hidden patios and things like that, that Jeremy could go get quiet space, that he needs more of that quiet time when we're with my family. There's three kids. It's kind of a lot. And at my parents' house, while I so appreciate him and he loves my family and they all get along so well, it's a small house for all of us to descend at the holidays. So it's harder for him. He more so like goes on walks, goes on drives, which is fine. But it was nice here that when he was going to get quiet time, I knew where I could find him and, and we could get that time together rather than me turning around and being like, where did he go? I guess he must have needed you know, a walk. So I wanted to have this conversation now because I thought it would allow you to consider it oh, as you are thinking ahead to your 2023 
and how you want to lay that out and what your plans and visions and dreams might be, as well as pay attention in this holiday season to how you feel as you are going through the different things that you've committed to, what's happening this season, and even maybe be able to make some small shifts that help within your travel this month, that heading into the holidays, you might be able to notice what makes me most exhausted and what are small shifts that could help. Like, do we need to, in the future, make the trip shorter and add rest days at the beginning or the end of it rather than making all of the days that we're off work all together? We have a... uh, a real doozy of a family drama meltdown uh, years ago because an elderly extended family member, really, it just was too long for them. They were too tired. It was too much like sensory input with all the kids and they just kind of lost their ability to control their emotions. And so now we are always conscious. Okay, so-and-so, let's, re- like, you know, we'll talk through it with my mom. Okay, so are you going to let so-and-so know what what days they're coming? We're going to encourage them to leave early on, on, you know, after Thanksgiving so that they aren't too tired the next morning when we do faux Christmas. Like, we really try to support them, you know, for everyone's sake, in how they do that. And we really think through it. Is it needing to get a babysitter at some point and have the adults go out to dinner so you just have some time when you aren't totally on top of your kids? Do you need to have the babysitter take the kids to a movie so that the house is quiet and like the kids are just gone and everyone can just relax for a little bit? Do you need to stay in an Airbnb instead of staying with family? This is something we do often when we go to Jeremy's family um, because he has a big family and he's one of eight and they are not planners. So you never really know who's going to show up, who's going to be there. Are there going to be bedrooms? How many people are using the bathrooms? So it just allows us to feel like we've got space. We've got autonomy. We're good. We know what to expect. If it's a quiet house or a crazy house, no worries. We're already good, but we don't get into a situation where we're like, oh, this wasn't what we were expecting. So in conclusion, I have three questions for you to journal about, talk with your partner about, talk with your family, your friends, and percolate on. So first is, what are your best travel memories and which of these elements did they have? And what can you learn from that? Was it the planning that went into it and the, having the space for preparation? Was it the which of the six types of trip was it? Or was it who you were with and those little elements that you were thinking about to make that better? And then what are some of your least favorite trips and why? I I don't love to focus on the negative things, but I think we all have at least one of those stories where you're like, this was not the, the best. And what would you have changed? Are you really thinking through how can we avoid that in the future? And then finally, what are you craving in 2023? What healing do you need? What type of rest, play, leisure, distraction, inner focus? Do you need more time to journal and to sit with your thoughts? Are you craving more time to read? Or are you feeling a little bored and you're craving to really see the world? Are you a little lonely and isolated and you're really craving connection? Are you in a cold climate and you're really craving sunshine? Are you deeply missing a favorite place that you haven't been back to for a while? What is it that you're craving and how can you fold that into your visions for 2023? And in some cases, even 2024 and needing to say, if we really want to plan that family trip, we got to get it on everyone's calendars 18 months in advance. Or I know that's going to take me a long time and I want to do it well. So I'm going to start now planning out that trip so that we get the best deals, that all the Airbnbs are available, et cetera. So it's not just about where you go, but how it makes you feel. And you might love your people, but if eight weddings in a year is making you exhausted and feeling like you are yearning for other kinds of travel and rest experiences that you're not getting, the truth is you need to feel rested and you need to feel like your life is balanced in order to be a good friend. So there also may be times when it's saying, I don't actually think it is supporting me for the rest of the year in being a good daughter or mother or niece the way that I am so prioritizing other people's desires for how Thanksgiving goes, Christmas goes, whether we travel for Easter, whether we are there for Fourth of July, whether there's an expectation that we come home for every niece and nephew's graduation, but there's 25 of them. And we just need to say, I actually so value 
these relationships that I need to be showing up whole and healthy in them. And that might mean missing out on some events and being more intentional about a different kind of time that you spend together. So what your options are to consider are number one, beach and cabin, two, familiar city, three, new city, four, new culture, five, physical, which can include mental activities, and six, people. So prioritize how you want to feel so you can heal your burnout, really be your best self, love the life that you are living, choose joy, and be rejuvenated for your people and passions that matter most throughout your year. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is Airbnbs with balconies. You probably already know this about us, but we are big balcony people. And that is because I think a balcony is the best way to get the energy and the beauty of a place. That if you are someone who knows that you are going to be in the home often, in the hotel or in the Airbnb, and you are there working remotely, or it's just the way that your general rhythms are, that you tend to leisurely take your time to get ready in the morning, or you like to come home and unwind at the end of the night. I love that you get the energy and the vibe of a city. You can hear other people. You can hear the clinking of glasses or people walking down the street or, or the music, and you feel a part of things even if you it is those times when you are in your home. So it feels like you're getting more value out of your hours in a place. And it ties in again to that episode I'll link below about the three different types of travel personalities because for Jeremy and I, our travel personality is we love to just soak in the vibes and the views. We are so happy sitting on a balcony. Whenever people ask us for dinner recommendations in Paris, since they know we go there fairly often, I'm like, I have none. I have literally not one restaurant recommendation for you. We will go pick up a pizza and a bottle of wine and bring it back and sit on our balcony and just people watch and listen. Like That is just something that we absolutely love to do. So for you, it might not be that. It might be proximity to things, or you are never at the place, so you want to save your money on the balcony view, it doesn't matter to you. And another something I love lately is just that I love knowing your quote thing. Like the fact that Jeremy and I are balcony people, to me, says so much about us. Like, And the view and the vibes is why we are obsessed with our home in New York City too, where we have this balcony that overlooks the river. And it isn't just overlooking the river with an amazing view. There's a park beneath us. And so there's always people that are out and that are playing music. And so it is perfect for my personality type, which is an ambivert. Like, I don't need to be out in all of the things as an extrovert, but I also don't want to be totally isolated as an introvert. So it makes me feel like I'm a part of things while also getting to be removed. And I think these little things we notice about ourselves really help us to find places that we feel so good about the pick that we made, the money that we spent. Another for me is decor. I would rather stay in a tiny place that's nicely decorated than a bigger place or even a more convenient place. For me, I feel sad if it's not aesthetically nice. Like I just feel it in my gut. I would rather not go then go someplace that doesn't feel nice. Jeremy is not the same. He would would be like, oh, I'll get the cheapest room just so I can go ski for the weekend. I don't, I don't care about the place at all. And to me, that just would feel, it would make something feel sad about the trip. That's me, but you might totally prioritize the opposite. I just think that the more we pay attention and can articulate what we really love, like you wanna have multiple restaurants at the resort so you never wanna have to leave, or you love all-inclusive because then you don't think about cost all week. And actually that's so mentally freeing for your brain because maybe normally all throughout your week you're constantly thinking about money. Should I buy that coffee? Should I not? Should I take the Uber? Should I take the subway? Should I buy this? Should I not? And the idea of being like, I have no money worries for a week. It was just all set. I knew exactly what it is. That might be so valuable to you. Whereas someone else is like, I just don't, I don't drink that much and I don't feel like the food is that good. And like, yeah, I just, I tried it. It didn't really do anything for me. Or you want it to be walkable so that you don't need a car. Not everyone cares about the things that you do. And so lean into what you love and you will find more value in your time away.
And speaking of value, you are deeply valuable to me, as is this podcast. And if this episode brought value to you, I would be so grateful if you would leave a review below and perhaps share with a friend bridge this conversation over the holidays and start comparing notes about what ultimately leaves you feeling more depleted or more rejuvenated after your holiday travels. And I'll see you back here next Wednesday with grace and gumption. You're welcome in advance. Till next Wednesday.